1: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW report Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 18
0: plus. Delia. Hey, everybody, it's Dave here, Darren over there. We're your two old bloggers. We've been commenting on the Vikings publicly for over two decades apiece. That is a long time. We've seen a lot of things come and go. We're going to talk about some of those today. But first, we're going to start off with Dalvin Tomlinson. And should he stay or should he go? He's asking himself that question, as I'm sure the clash is playing in the background. (laughs) Secondly, we're going to talk, we're going to continue in our State of the Vikings series. This time we're looking at the wide receiver room. Yes, we've got the best wide receiver in the NFL, Justin Jefferson. But the question is, What else do we have, and what else might we need? Thirdly, we're going to do some quick hitters. First, we're going to talk about the passing, uh, or secondly, we're going to talk about the passing of Red McCombs, but first, we're going to talk about a couple of the coaches, the assistant coaches that were hired this week to help fill out the roster, because some of the assistant coaches from last year have moved onward and upward. Good for them. All that next on Two Old Bloggers. Climb in the Pocket, Baby Norseman and Lake Monster Brewing presents Two Old Bloggers. Starting now. Hey, everybody, it's Dave and Darren here. We are your Two Old Bloggers, as usual. First off, we always start off with asking Darren, how are things in the Great White North? They are fine, Dave. We're just trying to get through this bit
2: of this dead kind of a well, sort of deadish football period we have here before free agency starts and not a whole lot of big news, but we do have a few things to talk about today, so happy to get right at it, and uh, everybody can keep on giving Dave comments about how good he looks too <laughs> if you want. Hey. He's had a few so far.
0: yes, hey, I I appreciate it. <laughs> I do, I do, I do. All right, with that, let's get this show started. We titled it, Should I Stay or Should I Go? Now you want to add to now as uh, the song goes. And that's the question for Dalvin Tomlinson.
2: Yeah, anytime you use this sort of a headline they gave, it just. Mm-hmm. The Clash song just gets in your head. Unless yeah. you're like. 30 and under, and then you don't even know who the clash is. <laughs> <laughs> You're
0: probably a hundred percent correct on that one. I know what? I'm a
2: hundred percent correct. They might wear the they might wear the t-shirts, but they have no idea who the band is. It's just all for show. It's like kids wearing Led Zeppelin t-shirts these days, or like they don't have they have no idea who Led Zeppelin is.
0: Um, I digress. Hey, hey, there's kids these days that is discovering the music from 70s, 80s and early 90s and thinking it is fantastic. They're remixing it. There, playing it like it was brand new, just came out last week, and that's because uh, Gen X's music is the best music. Just sorry mm-hmm. to say, that's the way it works. But it we're on to theme one. Dalvin Tomlinson. Yes, Dave. Uh,
2: initially, mm-hmm. we thought uh, that Tomlinson's contract was going to get voided on Feb- Monday, February the 20th. Then the word got out that actually Tomlinson, the Vikings, and Tomlinson had agreed to extend that the void and make the void date March fifteenth. Uh, pretty significant because um, a, as you were talking, we were talking about offline, actually online, but off the show, was that uh, <laughs> you know both parties would have to agree to do this. So that means that there's mu- mutual interest from the Vikings and from Tomlinson and his and his agent. To try to work something out, and so we'll work something out, they're they're going to do, uh, and also right now what it avoids. We'll see, but um, you know, uh, the if Tomlinson's contract had voided, then that seven point five million would have been on would have been dead cap money that right now that has mm-hmm. yeah right now, and and uh, all that had been accounted for in the as I understand it in what was the projected amount that the Vikings were going to be over the cap anyway, but. Uh, I think a significant thing we Dave we all know that the the Vikings defense was terrible last year everybody knows that and so I think that there's a a, you know there's a when that happens there's a you know there's a there's a pull from the the particularly from fans who just want to get rid of everybody and like that you know get rid of all 11 starters on the on the defense none of them are any good uh but uh it's very rare actually it Never happens that a team is going to turn over 11 starters all in one season. There's usually somebody worth keeping, and you you, know, you can't fill that many holes. So, and actually, Dalvin Tomlinson is if you're looking to keep, you know, if you you want the Vikings defense to get better, obviously, uh, and Dalvin Tomlinson, based on how he played last year, would be one of those guys you would not probably want to move on from right now if you want the Vikings defense to improve. You're flashing his PFF grades up there. As we always say, it's PFF, so take it with a grain of salt. But they do watch these guys closely and come up with their their rankings. So there's sometimes they make sense. I think in this case, Dalvin Tomlinson's grade does make sense. It was very good. Seven, you know, as you say, it's about 77 overall. Um, he was ranked 14th out of 67 defensive tackles who had at least 400 snaps. So he was a high performer. And 29 pressures he got were a career best. So pretty good year for Tomlinson. The eye test, Dave. I think you and I would agree was that uh, we thought Tomlinson played quite well when when he was in. He did miss four games, I think, because of a calf injury. Right. It shows um,
0: they have him at 30 pressures, yeah, but at only 604 snaps. And if you look, compare that for snaps, that's about half. The Vikings had about 1,200. Defensive snaps during the season, approximately. Yep. And that's about half. And 30 pressures on half of that's not bad. If you want to work that out to at least three quarters, you know, that pumps it up to about 45 pressures. That is a good contribution. It sure
2: is. And Tomlinson. Did provide a very, I think, important um, contribution to the Vikings' defense. As bad as it was last year, it might have been a lot worse without him. And uh, for Tomlinson, uh, he was really of the Vikings' defensive lineman. You know, whether it's Ross Blacklock, James Lynch, Jonathan Bullard, even Harrison Smith, or sorry, Harrison Smith, Harrison Phillips. You've Got to do that at least once a show, hey Dave. Uh, I usually say, do it, but yes, say Harrison Phillips instead of uh, Harrison Smith instead of Harrison Phillips. But uh, rarely did those guys make any kind of impact plays. Dalvin Tomlinson consistently was making impact, you know, good plays that you notice that even fans like myself noticed without watching the line too closely. Uh, now, I, he was a better pass rusher than he was a run defender, but I'll take that. Uh, somebody else can do the dirty work, like Kairis Tonga, Harrison Phillips. Uh, but it, the grades are pretty good. Tomlinson's 29. Again, his his what he made in his 7.5 million is pretty reasonable. If I don't know what he's going to get now, but um, his even though he played well, Dave, his his stats for are not so gaudy. I think that he's going to get a he's going to get huge amount of dollars on the open market, even if he hit it. So. Uh, If both parties are looking to work things out to try to stay with the Vikings, I think that, you know, uh, Tomlinson is a guy that the Vikings should look, and they are looking very seriously. I would be quite happy with them keeping Tomlinson if the price is, you know, uh, reasonable, whatever that would be, you know, uh, it could be seven in the seven, eight million range, give or take a bit. And that's one less hole that they have to fill um, on the defense that's, in flux right now as to who's going to be there and who is not going to be there. And it might also save you from having to pick a guy in the draft when you have limited draft picks so far.
0: And it's good. And defensive linemen, interior defensive linemen tend to be still good into their younger thirties. So I, yeah, it would be, I would enjoy it. I think it would be good and a good selection. It's all up to this guy though. Will Quasi make that happen. Does that make sense? Him and obviously Brian Flores, along with Kevin O'Connell, are going to work together to make sure that, do I want this piece? Do I want what Dalvin brings? I think the answer, we think the answer is yes, but we're going to have to see. But his, the whole idea of him saying, no, I'll move my void date to the start of the league new year, which is March 15th, I want to keep talking between now and then, shows some mutual interest. You know, whether the Vikings asked him to do it or he asked the Vikings to do it, either way, the whole acceptance of it shows that both are interested, and I think that's a good thing for the Vikings.
2: And they're going to have to, uh, even though March 15th is the void date, that's when Free agency will officially start, but yeah. there's always that tamp, you know, the tampering period a couple of days before that. Uh, when uh, so, uh, well, something he's is going to, be-
0: he's under contract right now. They can do anything they want up until yeah. March 15th. It's March 15th. If nothing's in place, then he could go shop himself around and uh, we bite seven and a half million dollars no matter what. If, if they make a deal prior to March 15th, they can lower that seven and a half to like two and a half of dead cap, and then whatever else, and then they can massage that. It's next year that's supposed to be the real big jump in the salary cap. Yes, and they can you know keep it low this year, and you know put it out three or four years, give them an extension, and make that money move and give them leverage to move money. And everybody's happy. He's happy because he gets a big signing bonus. Um Vikings are happy because they have an effective interior defensive lineman who can get past rush. And I think it's a, I think it's a almost a no-brainer. Are you going to find somebody like that in the draft immediately? Doubtful. Just like offensive line, defensive line takes a bit to Learn the NFL system and how to get along with it. If you have some rookie, even if they're studs coming out, blue chips, um, they'll still have their welcome to the NFL moment because you're going to go against some crusty NFL guy that knows all the tricks of the trade, and they're going to use them on him. Uh, Dalvin's been there. He knows that. He's done nothing but get better. I want that to continue. I want him to see him in purple next year. That's
2: the, and that's a great point, Dave. You're right. Uh, like in, like the the interior guys, whether it's defensive tackles, or uh, particularly, like you say, uh, they take some time to mature. Talent. Tom, Tomlinson is a perfect example of that because his his first four years at New with the Giants, he you know he, he was he, he didn't really emerge as a as a as a key guy until like his his fourth year and and. And the Giants didn't think enough of him that they actually tried to extend him beyond that. Uh, And uh, you see that a lot of times. uh, Another guy that's an example, I think, is Derek Brown from Carolina, who was like a top 10 pick, I believe, four years ago. He's just now really starting to hit his stride. Another one of those big interior guys. Uh, So, yeah, uh, you Thomasson is a guy who has been. He's at you know he's playing his best football right now, and it'd be good good to keep him. Um, What we haven't heard uh, on the void stuff, just what we should mention is that uh, Patrick Peterson's contract was supposed to void on the February twentieth. We have not heard anything otherwise that, and so uh, that uh, would indicate we talked about this earlier shows, Dave, about what. Patrick Peterson's future would be with the Vikings, especially when Brian Flores signed on as the defensive coordinator. No doubt. Patrick Peterson had a very good year last year. Whether you look at PF grades or just look at the basic stats like interceptions, pass defense, he had a great year, a Renaissance year, but it was in a defensive system that Brian Flores is not going to use. And, We've, and I don't think he's a good fit for that. He's more of a zone corner at this point in time. And the fact that his he didn't work out a void extent, extension of the void date would uh, indicate that, you know, as expected by us, is that he won't be back with the Vikings. They'll be bringing in some other veterans who better suit what Forrest is going to run.
0: I agree. Um, I wanted to bring up Purple and Gold for Days brought up that part of this extending out the void date was an agreement not to franchise tag him. That that there, purple and gold, shows the willingness, the interest back and forth and the respect that they're playing. That it's not just all business on the on the side of the Vikings, but that they actually care for him and they want what's best for him. Hopefully that's with the Vikings. If not, he goes off and hopefully finds green pastures elsewhere. But they're willing to do that and not Handcuff him with a franchise tag. So that it shows humanity. And I think that's part of the whole new culture thing. And I think that's a good deal. Um, Darren
2: Dave, Durant Payne, or Jermont Jones? Sure, I'd love to add them. Would we have the scratch to get them? Doubtful.
0: (laughs) Well, and uh, Tyler and I recorded an episode. He wrote an article about Jalen Ramsey that the Rams are. Shopping him around. Yes. Would Jalen Ramsey be great on the Vikings? Absolutely. I'd love to have him there. Could we afford a trade? Is it smart to make the trade? Could we afford a salary? Those are whole different questions. So um, it'd be be interesting. Interesting to find out. I do want to thank everybody that is watching today. We appreciate it. we got quite a few. uh, My Worthless Opinion, Mary... Thadir, Purple and Gold for Days, Jason, uh, Raymond, as usual, coming in from PA, we love having you here, and you guys brighten our day, and we hopefully add something to yours as we wrap up, usually, Darren and I, the week's news of what happened during the week, and then obviously during the season, we look do the pregame show, and we really do appreciate you joining us. You add to the show, uh, and you guys are rock. And Purple Haze, thanks for joining. Yes, it's my purple flannel. It's probably the last day of this year that I get to wear it because we are warming up here in Texas, which is nothing wrong with. All right, that's the end of our first segment, which always brings us to badass wood art. That's Badass Wood Art is a company started by Lewis in his garage, which is now a shop, full-blown shop, where he makes wow. wood sculpture out of uh, mechanical coping saws, basically. It's absolutely gorgeous. If you want a piece, you can get your first piece for 20% off using the promo code C T Pocket. That would be a good thing to have. Now, yesterday he posted up what he has in his man cave. Oh, nice. He's got John Randall, Hall of Famer, right? That he did. That's somebody that means a lot to him. Of course, to all us Vikings fans, Johnny Randall, Randall is absolutely the beast, right? We loved him. I still Think in my mind of those commercials where he's chasing that chicken with the number four jersey around the yard so he can translate that on Sundays. And, of course, those were good, good moments.
2: One of the rare national TV commercials that ever had a Viking in it, (laughs) starring in it. I can't remember too many.
0: But that is what Lewis does. He makes great work. All you got to do is go to his site. It's called... That's badasswoodart.com. Check it out. He does do commissions, and he does in various sizes. Whatever you want, he will do it. Get in touch with him. He's a great guy. Um, Mark's saying Johnny was his favorite player when he was younger. Johnny, or Mark, I fully understand why. He was fabulous. He's still one of my favorites. Yeah, especially He's on, on Fridays. Couch. Yeah, he's one
2: of my top five favorite Vikings of all time. Mm -hmm. And the Vikings have been
0: around a while. That brings us to theme two. And uh, somebody had asked, do we trade Cook? Uh, We're not going to talk about that this week. However, there will be discussion on that in the future. We shall find out. First off... you wanted to talk wide receivers this is that where we're doing the state of the Vikings and we're looking into each position room this week we are looking at the wide receivers we are and
2: when i started digging into this dave i ended up i thought i was writing a novel i had so many notes for a while but uh i don't know uh, wide receiver really interests me always always, always does but yes uh the wide uh, this is a state of the units wide receivers this time, and for wide receivers for the vikings uh what we've got is uh, we've got we've got one elite talent, and then things kind of get murkier after that, i think <laughs> as to what we got and who's staying and who's going but uh, of course, the elite guy is the guy up in the picture here right now, mr justin jefferson mr gritty mr offensive nFL offensive player of the year um again, he's been. Since his three, he's given us three years of elite level production at wide receiver number one since we drafted him. And he's just turned 24. Uh, he's been very durable, uh, start, played every game, uh, been able to suit up for every game in his three seasons. And so, what we've seen from him in the first three years, with him only being 24, I think uh, talked about this a few weeks ago baseline production from him for the next five years, I think at least. If he's a Viking, you can pretty much expect 115 to 120 catches, 1,600 to 1,800 yards, 8 to 10 touchdowns, more.
0: More. or more. I expect Justin Jefferson to be the first 2,000-yard receiver ever within the next two years.
2: And he, if he hadn't had a couple of duck games this year, he, he would have actually been that it. guy. Mm-hmm. He would have had it this year. Uh, and you know those baseline stats, as you were saying, Dave, there's there's a potential there's probably could be one, two, maybe three seasons in that five year period where he could eclipse those numbers. Uh, so what a weapon to have um, and durable is to say extremely productive, but we've been getting him on like dirt cheap <laughs> pay rate for those three years. And that's coming to an end this off season, I believe. Uh, I think, I, it I think may that, or
0: may not. We hope it comes to an end this off season because if it does, It'll come at a cheaper rate than if we wait a year or even after the fifth year. You know, every the longer we wait, the higher that dollar amount goes.
2: Yes, but he, I guess my thinking is that going into his fourth season, that I, I kind of feel that you know, although he hasn't, we haven't heard any rumblings of that yet. And Jefferson said after the season over that he wasn't worried about the contract and he would let his representatives deal with that. But I, I kind of feel that, like, with the amount of money that that is up for grabs here, if you look what like Tyreek Hill got last year when he, he got traded to Miami, uh, certainly whatever extension Justin Jefferson is going to get, he's going to be the number one p- paid wide receiver at that point when he signs that deal. Uh, period.
0: Probably. Period.
2: He's going to uh, – For one. Yeah, for one year, probably. And then somebody else will get it.
0: Well, maybe I, not. it's going to be hard because he literally – Will be the number one wide receiver. He is the number one when it comes to production. As long as he keeps that up, he can justify it. And other teams can say, "We're not paying you forty million a year." Justin Mm -hmm. Jefferson makes forty million, but we're not paying you forty million, right? You've got to be, you know, in that top five range to get that. So, how many free agents or second contract guys fall into that range? We'll have to see. Part of that also depends on quarterback play you got to have a quarterback that can throw you those balls. And so you got to find that good marriage and then how to pay him. But almost guaranteed, he's going to be able to write his own check, and it's going to be hefty. He's going to make quarterback money. He
2: is, uh, and it's just a matter of when that's going to happen. My feeling is that uh, he's not going to step on the field for OTAs, uh, organized team, mini camp. Maybe even training camp. If he doesn't, if an extension isn't worked out this off season, um, you kind of disagree on that. But uh, the fact is, that the point is that extension is going to happen. It's a matter of when it's but going to happen. When it does happen, it's not going to be cheap. But you got to do it. <laughs> like Justin Jefferson is pretty much the offense right now for the Vikings. Everything
0: kind of revolves around around what he does, and um, he's so- become the face of the franchise. Yes, right? he's the one that puts butts in seats. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 everybody I like wants cousins. to come see him. I like cousins, but I don't
2: think a lot of people are paying scratch to watch watch him play quarterback. Uh, they're not saying, uh, "I'm watching one of the best ever with Kirk Cousins in there." Uh, but Justin Jefferson, you're watching one of the best ever to do it, and only in three seasons. So, mm-hmm. no issues that with him at number number one. The question for the Vikings is, of course, who's the number two guy? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, first we got to get know. past this. Well, yeah. Uh, that's where the kind of the extension would come come, in. and then you got to look at okay, how much are you paying cousins, and can you afford like if you've got cousins who's making a lot this year, and then you got to get Jefferson on the extension. Those are two guys who are going to take up a lot of your cap, uh, and how the Vikings work that, particularly maybe in 2024, is 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 an open question right now. If the if if uh, does the extension at this off season, he's going to structure it so that this year the cap hit is going to be minimal while cousins is on the books for that 30, you know, 6 million or whatever it is. And then which might get reduced if they do the extension thing, which we're going to talk about next week, (laughs) but, uh, but yeah, there, there is a a financial dance that's got to be made. Got to be played Um, yet. Yes. Got to be played. But beyond that, again, who's your number two after Justin Jefferson? Um, in the in the you, we need you need and you need a number two guy because in those rare games where Jefferson isn't you know is getting extra attention, the ball, he's not quite getting quite open as much, or his the catches he's getting are for minimal gains, like what happened in the Giants playoff game. Just if he's getting slowed down a little bit, you need that number two guy who can make a defense really pay for devoting all that extra attention to Justin Jefferson. And maybe that and make them decide, pick their poison, who they're going to cover. Uh, we don't have that right now. Adam Thielen used to be that guy uh, last year, but his, he's 33. His production is declining. He's set this offseason to have the second highest cap figure of any Viking. Uh, his, I doubt his production is going to improve a whole lot uh, or at all at his age. Uh, and you can't pay a guy who is. Producing at the level that Adam Thielen is right now, the roughly 20 million that he'd be set to make, uh, he talked about how, he, you know, his team is working with the Vikings on the contract to work on getting it down and finding some uh, uh, pay rate that is agreeable to him and the Vikings to bring him back. Uh, for a lot of Adam Thielen fans, who love the fact that he's a Minnesota boy and he came was at Minnesota State. Blah blah blah. Uh, that's great news. Um, not as great news for me. I love Thielen, but I feel like his time is you know, now is the time to move on from him. Uh, I think the Vikings will bring him back if the you know if the again if the price is right. But I don't really see that Thielen is going to take the the reduction in pay that the Vikings would want. To just come back to Minnesota, he talked about in his Super Bowl interviews about how I, I'm still feel great. I can still produce at a high level. Uh, if he feels that way, he's going to get want to get paid that amount. I just don't. And and what is that? Uh, it, it, is he willing to go down? Go from twenty million or what is his salary would be
0: now down to maybe seven eight million a year? I don't know about that. But well, uh, well this is where a dance comes in. That's going to happen here. The coming In the coming week, when everybody goes to Indianapolis for the combine, when you get yes. all those agents and clubs together and they start talking, you know, at the steakhouse and the beer deal and the breakfast joint and all this other stuff, you know, where they meet in the bathroom stall or however they do this, the unofficial tampering, right, where they get... They get, well, well, how do you feel if, 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 you know, they're talking to each other over a cup of coffee or a glass of whiskey and they're like, "Um, Adam Thielen. uh, We'd be willing to get him, but we only want to pay him eight And million. They're talking to Crazy or whoever. And Crazy's like, hmm, okay, I can understand that. Well, you know, we need to get rid of him because we've got to lower his cap it. Well, Crazy can come back to Adam's agent and say, hey, We know Adams being asked for for seven, eight, maybe we'll offer him nine. (coughs) Pardon me, offer him nine if he stays, but he's got to take pay cut down to nine. And it's that dance of well, his agent going, the best deal you're going to make, the most money you're going to make is to stay here and take pay cut versus try yourself on the open market. You'll make less and you'll stick to the Vikings, but you won't be a Viking. So, we'll see what happens. Yeah, the I, I
2: would I feel now is the time to move on with the Vikings. I think that that is going to happen, despite what they're working on. Uh, and the logical guy to come in and be at least be given the shot at the number two wide receiver spot would be KJ Osborne. Now, Osborne's a, an interesting case, uh, and his his numbers uh, last year. Uh, production-wise, were pretty much the same as they were in his breakout season in 2021. He had a few more catches, 10 more actually, but his, his yardage was about the same and he had two less touchdown receptions. And his yards per catch average actually was down about three yards. Um, analytics, some of the analytics metrics uh, weren't too impressed with KJ Osborne's year uh, either in 2022, but I like KJ. Uh, I think that um and he had a couple of 100-yard games late in the season. Uh, but the fact is, sometimes in a lot of games last year, he was the fourth receiving option that Cousins looked at. Um, and, but if he's the number two guy, that elevates him. In the maybe progression. In the progression. Uh, and maybe you see a big jump, and he gets those number two wide receiver um, numbers. Now, he's not a burner like some guys. So, but he's got good hands. He's tough um and and i like him and i think that the vikings will be willing to at least give him a shot to prove that he's the number two guy um and, and move on from finland because again kj osborne's cheap he's young and he's been you know pretty productive the past past two years uh, now beyond him <laughs> is, is where things get a little bit uh, messy jalen rager uh i had some i was in some other Somewhat encouraged when we traded for him, but he was just a fat zero as a wide receiver last year. And But the Vikings don't have a lot of depth uh, behind KJ and Justin Jefferson right now. So I think Ragar at a fairly reasonable, I think, 2.5 cap hit right now that he, he comes back, uh, especially if he can hold on to the punt return job, which he had mm-hmm. last year. Uh, now, like the other Jalen is a guy who intrigues me, Jalen Naylor, uh, last year. Again, a six round draft pick was mo- mostly special teams until the last two games in the year. He got, then he showed me something in those last two games against that team from Wisconsin and then the Bears. Granted, it was garbage time against the, in a blowout game against the Green Bay Packers that he caught his touchdown and got some playing time. And then the next week against the Bears, he was playing in the, mostly in the second half. And the Bears didn't have their three main cornerbacks there. But he got—he looked to me like he could run the routes. He had good hands. He was getting open consistently. And he had good uh, yards after the catch ability on those catches. So I'd be, I'd, I'm i intrigued to see. You know, I think the Vikings have to really look to pay very close attention to Jalen Naylor in the offseason to see how is he progressing under Keenan McCardell and whether he can take a bigger bite on in the offensive snaps area and maybe he becomes your quasi your uh, number three guy uh that I wouldn't be I'm not supremely confident about that but I think he showed me enough at the end of the year where he's in the mix to be given that chance um and then beyond him you know you got Tristan Jackson who's some people thought he was going to make the team Mm -hmm. uh out of training camp last year he had a pretty decent training camp but he's pretty young too uh he could be but he's a guy that you're not going to bank on. Um, Free agency-wise, if you're looking to add a veteran, if you move on from Thielen, right now the free agent market at wide receiver is pretty disappointing, I would say. Mm -hmm. There there ain't much there. The only two guys that would interest me, granted – uh, some guys are going to get added to the, this wide receiver free agent pool who aren't on there now because they're going to get cut from their teams. But right now, the only two guys that I'd be really interested in looking at would be Darius Slayton from the Giants and then DJ Cherick from the Lions. But I think that uh, I'd be surprised if the Giants don't re sign Slayton. He was pretty much their, their top deep threat in their top receiver and i think brian dabo would want to keep that um so i don't expect but even if he doesn't come back to the giants there's going to be a lot of interest in his services and i don't think that the vikings could outspend some other team to get him same thing with dj cherick who didn't have a big year with the with the with the lions but uh he's had a thousand yard season in the past with jacksonville he's big he's fast uh, he I, and the two games he played the Vikings, he actually had pretty good games against us. So uh, the talent is there. A lot of, and people the, did. yeah, that's that's true. That's true, Dave. Very true. But but uh, the talent is there with shark uh, and in the right right situation, I think uh, you know a lot of teams are going to look at his the things that he does and his speed and his and his size, and they'll want to they'll think in our situation he can really work.
0: Um, so well, and I've got the ages up there. I've uh, yeah. got the asterisk on DJ Sharks. He'll be 27 at the beginning of the season. That's what the asterisk's for. Uh, whereas your Giants receiver will be 26. Those are decent ages. Oh, yeah. They're not, you know, past 30 for a wide receiver. So those are possibilities. As you look at the grades, they're relatively equivalent to what Adam Thielen did, roughly. Um, and we can go back to look at. Adam's grades real quick. They're about the same, mm-hmm. so, uh, and you got to look at who who what quarterback was throwing to them. At least they're younger and have more of an upside rather than we know. Adam Thielen's on that downslope of his career. These guys should not be on the downslope of their career.
2: They should not. But being as I don't think that these guys are realistic options for the Vikings unless something happens. But one guy that I think to keep an eye on, and he just got released on Wednesday is Robert Woods uh, with the Titans last year. Now, uh, fans who, who NFL fans who follow the whole league would look at and say, well, why would you cut Thielen and bring in Woods? Woods had a worse year than Thielen last year, which is true. But we all know that the Tennessee quarterback situation was a bit of a mess after Tannehill got was done for the season. And even before that, he wasn't playing all that great. Uh, Woods is almost three years younger than Thielen, and he is very familiar with the Sean McVay passing offense. Uh, and Kevin O'Connell knows him very well. He was, uh, Woods was at L.A. Uh, the two years, O'Connell was offensive coordinator there. Uh, he was also at, in LA the three years that Wes Phillips was with, on the Rams staff. So those two main offensive minds for the, on the Vikings coaching staff know Robert Woods very well. Um, and Woods, uh, like I said, he's thirty. He's a pro. He's always been a guy who could get open. Um, I think that another thing about him is that he's he knows the importance of blocking well, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's something that uh, is very valued in the Sean McVay influenced offense
0: and if you Um, look back at his scores by year they go way up he's up in the 70s and 80s on his grades in previous years he had a decline this year so it is what it is i think if you if you're
2: if the vikings are you move on from feeling but they're nervous about their depth which they should be and they're looking for a veteran who gives them a little bit of comfort Robert Woods is a guy who you can keep an eye on because of the familiarity with Kevin O'Connell and Wes Phillips and the the, the Sean McVay offense. And the fact that uh, you could probably, uh, I, I think he's a guy, the type of receiver, wide receiver he always has been. He's smart. He, he's not a, never been a burner. So he had to get open with root technique and being a technician and, and that sort of thing. Uh, he's a guy that you could probably still squeeze another year or
0: two out of You know, even a one-year type type deal. Well, it it all comes down to how much for how long. Yes, whether it's a good deal. If he's a space filler, and a reliable one, and it's cheap, yeah, I'd take it. Purple Hayes, you had him on your fantasy football team, I see, and no points. There's a lot of players that are very, very good players that don't (laughs) score points because the way the offense is implemented, they're not the red zone guys. Or they're not the primary targets. And we've seen that on the Vikings a lot. You know, CJ Ham could get, you know, one, two or three touchdowns a season or used to in the past under Zimmer, and hardly be used during the entire game where somebody gets used a thousand snaps and gets two or three touchdowns. And it's just it's all in how they're used. That's why if you play fantasy sports, you gotta look into that if you wanna get the best value, who are the guys scoring points? I learned that in, uh, we had a points league. It was, uh, you didn't get points for yardage or receptions or anything like that. It was for touchdowns. So they had, to, they had to score. So you started looking at players differently. Who are the players that are producing scores? And then you go with the highest ones there. They may not be the best in their position, or they may not be superstars, but they're always the one that got the ball. Right. You know, if you had to take fullback, you took CJ Ham because there's a good chance he scored a lot. And that's that's just the way you got to look at it when it comes to fantasy football. Not that I'm an expert and I no longer play anymore, but uh, just a little bit of advice. But we appreciate your inputs there. Very, very much so.
2: Yeah, uh, Mary says she's got some concerns about Woods. You would just certainly, you would be based on his, you know, he got injured and missed half of the year or the year before. And then last year he wasn't very productive in Tennessee. But I think yeah. you got to look at the, the situation too and his age and, his age. Uh, and, on all, yep. and all those things. But uh, again, a possibility if you're moving on from Phelan and you want to vet who's been productive in the past and knows this kind of offense. Robert Woods is a guy that jumped out at me as somebody who might be a potential target. Uh Alan Lazard was mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, I expect that he'll be back with green Bay, but, um, but, uh, you know, he, yeah, he'd be a great, he'd be a great guy to pick up. You know, you talk about somebody who can block Lazard can block. He's a monster <laughs> blocker and, you know, a productive wide receiver too but I don't think he has much interest in in leaving Green Bay unless uh, Mr. Darkness leaves town, then maybe he'll be looking to get out too. I don't know. Uh, But even if you're Lazard Woods, Slayton, all that free agent stuff, really, I think that where the Vikings need to find and look seriously at where they're going to find their number two guy long-term is this draft class in 2023. You got a bunch of guys lined up there. Uh, This is, it seems like, Every year now we're talking about how talented, how deep the wide receiver class is coming out of college. And this year isn't any different. There might be like there's probably going to be 20, 22, 23 wide receivers drafted just like last year, maybe even a bit more. And it's a diverse talent pool, Dave. Uh, If you listen to the scouting reports, you got like the the dudes who are like the all around guys like Jordan Addison, uh, Jackson Smith and um, who are there. Uh, who can do it all? And then you've got like the big X, big fast guys like Quentin Johnson or Cedric Tillman from um, from Tennessee, Rishi Rice from St. Mary, or sorry, Southern Methodist University. And then you've got like the the smaller guys that are like super super explosive uh, dudes who are more slot uh, look like they're slot guys like uh, Downs from. Uh, North Carolina or, uh, you know, some uh, Marvin Mims from Oklahoma or Nathaniel Tank-Dell, who we talked about a couple of weeks ago from from Houston. And then, so there's a like a, and there's, there's even like a Debo Samuel, uh, <laughs> a, a, like prototype and Kayshawn Booty. Uh, so lots and lots of guys that are very enticing talent and, and they have different strengths and different weaknesses. But uh, I really like to see the Vikings take a shot at a wide receiver uh I you know, even round one, somewhere round one and round between round one and round three, I think they gotta look at taking a shot at the guy who can be their number two. And a couple of guys that really interest me. Not that I'm a college expert. You'd talk to Tyler Forness about that sort of stuff, not me. But uh Rishi Rice from Southern Methodist is a guy who really intrigues me. Uh just that you know, he's about six two, six three, over 200 pounds. Uh, You talk about productive. He had over ninety catches last year, well over, I think, sixteen hundred yards, a gazillion touchdowns, and he's been he's steadily improved his production all four years. He was at Southern Methodist. He just he was never a zero. He was always productive, and he got better every year. His production got better every year. Uh, We we haven't had a a wide receiver that kind of size with the Vikings for for quite some time. I think Um, another guy you could but rice is probably like a second third round dude and probably more second round and maybe even first round if things go really well for him in the combine. But a guy that you could get a little bit later is also big, uh, is also intriguing is, uh, this guy called Andre Iovesis. I think I'm pronouncing that incorrectly and butchering it, but he, (laughs) he, he, uh, he's a six, four over 200 pounds, a track athlete, uh, from Princeton, the Ivy league, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, reading the Stout scattering reports on him is that he's got like uh, he's got a if you're drawing up a body for the perfect wide receiver, apparently he's he's it and he's fast and he's a pretty good root runner. Uh, but you probably get him a little bit later in the draft. He's not going to go as early as as Rice and some of these other guys. But just a couple of names to think about. Uh, in the draft, but there's a whole lot of names that you you should be paying attention to because the Vikings, every year except 2018, they've drafted a wide receiver at some point in the draft. And even though they've got uh, not very many picks right now, I think that they really have to look at drafting a wide receiver this year and a little bit earlier than they did last year um, to get that number two guy as, as Justin Jefferson's running mate in the future because we, we do need that number two guy. And I, and I think this draft class could be where you find him.
0: It could be. It, it, it's 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 wild at how open Quazy and Kevin O'Connell are to who they're going to pick and the strategies they're going to take going into this one because they are limited. They've only got the five picks. Are they going to trade down to get more picks or are they going to trade players to get picks are how they're going to generate picks. Are they going to be trading up and losing picks and how they put that all together. And with Brian Flores coming on board, how they want to rebuild that defense that was 31st last year or, and you know, so, so bad how they do this. You could, you could see it in multiple ways. Whether you go defensive line, interior defensive line, you go quarterbacks. Cause we did quarterbacks. Whether you go, we need a wide receiver opposite JJ. You know, all those are valid approaches. Yes, they are. You know, if there's a blue chipper drop, Schmitz, best center in ages, gonna be you know gonna be a star. Do you pick him up? We need a center. You know, as of right now, it's it's all you know. Do you trade? Jason's talking about trade back as many times as you can within the first um, and game more picks, that's a possibility too. It all depends how the board falls, who's taken in front, who they're targeting, who they want, you know, as to which route they go. I'm sure they're already pre-planning already, you know, prior to the combine with all this, well, if, you know, what happens? We talked about it previously. What happens if AR-15, Anthony Richardson drops into the 23. We talked about that on Monday, right? Because there was talk that he may not even make the first round initially. He's got some raw talent, but he screws up on a bunch of other stuff. Well, now, Anthony Richardson with all the talk over the last two weeks now looks to be like the third or fourth QB off the board and may not make it out of the top ten. It all depends on how everything falls. So, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. It's going to, as Mary said, it's going to be an exciting draft. Thank you, Mary.
2: They always are, but this one yeah, even more so because there's so many ways the Vikings could go with those with that first pick. Like, do they stay? Do they trade down? Uh and, and I I think there's got to be I'm, I'm 100% convinced that Quasi is going to be wheeling and dealing to get more picks because he's I don't think he's he, with with what we got to work with now. And the roster positions that we have to fortify, I don't think he's going to be satisfied with just five picks in this draft as a way of of helping with that roster addition.
0: Well, when it comes to the draft, I think he's singing along with the Clash and Dalvin Tomlinson, Should I Stay Should I Go? And that's the way this draft's going to work out. It's going to be a fun ride, folks, and we're going to be here for you, with you, on all three days. That brings us to the end of segment two, which, of course, brings us to our favorite subject of all subjects, beer. Beer. Lake Monster Brewing has been our sponsor for quite a while. They're our partner. They do great stuff. Brew, absolutely fantastic beer. What they have on tap this week is the same as they had last week. Uh, They didn't get to sell it out this week. I wonder why. Turns out there was a little bit of snow up in Minneapolis, St. Paul area. So what you need to do is get out, get everything shoveled, be nice and safe, you know, nice clean roads, everything else. Get out with your friends and try something new. And as you can see, they've got a sort of a warm theme going on with the coconut stout, the margarita goes, and the hot apple ale, and the mango guavos sour. It sounds like, you know, just by the names of these beers – that they want to be down on some warm, sunny beach somewhere enjoying, you know, a vacation. Well, you can take that mental vacation just by going across the river into St. Paul, Minnesota. It's just across the river from Minneapolis. Try out some of these great beers and meet some new people and have a fantastic time at Lake Monster Brewing. I highly recommend it. Their beer is awesome. It is. On to theme three, the quick hitters. Hmm. Second week in a row, Mm -hmm. quick hitters. It's that time of the year, Dave. (laughs) Yeah, but we got a little bit, nuggets of news that fall into this category. So this week, we're going to talk about it.
2: We are. And uh, the Vikings have, as a lot of uh, teams do this time of the year, they've had some uh, movement on their coaching staff. Uh, got Brian Flores uh, signed on as defensive coordinator over 10 days ago, I think it was. And they've had uh, a couple of the defensive uh, uh, um, coaches who got fired. Uh, Greg Minuski, the inside linebackers coach, and, of course, Ed Dom Tell, the defensive coordinator. And then they've had four other staff move on to other teams with mm-hmm. uh, moving and getting a promotion. Um, you've got it up down there. But uh, I guess the, the big news on the coaching side is that Brian Flores is, is now starting to shape his defensive staff, and he's brought in a couple of guys uh, to fill holes on his staff, two guys that he knows I think uh, pretty well. Where he got uh, Mike Saravo, who was the as a, your 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 uh, slide shows was the Panthers linebackers coach. He is now he's replaced Minuski as the inside linebackers coach for the Vikings. And then uh, the other guy was Lucas Bennett, who's now your defensive quality control guy for the Vikings, and he was on the staff as an assistant with Flores from. 2009 to, to 2021. Uh, Saravo had, uh, he crossed paths with Flores back at Boston college in Flores's Boston college days. And Saravo was a, uh, a graduate assistant at the time when Flores was, was at Boston college. So uh, they have, Saravo has not worked with Brian Flores uh, in the NFL on a defensive staff, but they do know each other. And, um, and the Panthers linebackers last year performed pretty well, uh, which would be, I think, that's in that's a, i think an important thing for this hire because um you know when it comes to the staff position guys like the, the guys that get most of the publicity and the attention are your head coach of course and then the off the coordinators of your three units special teams offensive coordinator defensive coordinator the positional guys and the defensive quality control guys unless it's some big name like remember when mike singletary was uh uh right. that Was uh, Leslie Frazier's like special projects dude or something like that? You heard a lot about him because he was Mike Singletary. But but if you can get a really good positional coach, somebody like Keenan McCardell, they can make a big impact on your offense. Andre defense.
0: Patterson did for years yeah.
2: on the defense for right. years in defensive line, and um, it appears he's doing it again in in, <laughs> <laughs> in New York. <laughs> I was in Buffalo. Yeah. So, but Saravo uh, is is one of those guys where I think is a, he's an interesting hire because again the, the the Panthers linebackers were pretty good last year. Now they got some some good ones, Shaq Thompson, that sort of thing. But he's gonna he's gonna have a job ahead of him because uh, either the Vikings it's talked about the Vikings might get rid of both of their starters, Jordan Hicks and Eric Kendricks. In which case, he's got to find he's gonna have two new inside linebackers that he's going to have to have performing at a pretty high level for this defense to, to help this defense improve to where they need to improve in 2023. Or uh, either if both of the Vikings bring both of them back, I don't think that's going to happen. I expect one of them to be gone at least, but if they're both back, then He's got to get them to play much, much better than they did in 2022 for the Vikings' defense to get where it needs to be in 2023. So he's got a big job ahead of him, uh, and I think Bennett—it'll be uh, his impact on the team might be a little bit harder for us to notice uh, because all the attention is going to be on Flores and what he's doing and his defensive system. But uh, again, Flores is bringing in some of his guys. And hopefully that will lead to a better performing defense and a better coach defense than we saw in 2022.
0: And mostly a more aggressive defense. This is where I like Brian Asamoah as an interior linebacker because he's going to be in Forrest's defense. It's, you know, see the hole, see the runner come through the hole, shoot out like a missile, you know, into the hole, blow that sucker up. That's the sort of aggressive play we want from our linebackers. And with the new linebacker coach, we very well that may complement what Brian Flores wants. And we get that. And that's got to improve from what we had. So we're better against the run. And then if they can go back in pass coverage, yeah, that's <laughs> oh, good. Fine. Okay. But your linebackers, your middle linebackers, are there to stop the run. That's their primary responsibility. That's why play action works, right? You want to suck those middle linebackers in. Um, It's the guard against the run, and if they're good at it, and they can explode to the line, tackle at the line of scrimmage, it makes the offense one-dimensional. It's the only way they can beat you. And then guys start teeing off. Then the years Mm. go back. The butt goes up on the defensive ends, right? Dalvin Tomlinson starts pressing on his Gems on his hand, and they go for the quarterback.
2: Mike Harrington was asking who did Flores draft while he's with Miami to help their defense. Um, that's a good question. I'd have to look at it. Uh, I do know that they, the year that his last year's head coach, they drafted Jalen Phillips. A defensive lineman, I think, or he's an edge linebacker now. And the games that I saw, now Flores wasn't there this year, but the games I saw Miami play, Phillips was a load <coughs> for Miami on defense. So if Flores had any role in getting uh, in the, the decision to draft Jalen Phillips on that team, and I imagine he did, he was the head coach and then running the defense over there. Then uh, that was a pretty damn. Looks like it's a pretty damn good pick by by Flores there. That's one that I. think i can point out even if it didn't end up uh i can't remember what kind of year Flores had as a rookie in 2021 but last year the games i watched he seemed to be yeah pretty he was a guy who was noticeable out
0: there Mm -hmm. but it's a good deal and that's a i'll write that down to check who are some of the defensive players that flores drafted while he was in miami
2: because it, we know in 2020 in particular, they had a very, uh, they had a top 10 defense, but Mike makes a good point. Like, um, you know, did, did, Flores inherit a bunch of guys uh, and then, uh, you know, that he wasn't responsible for bringing in that were already there that made, and he just, but it's still, I don't think the gates the impact he could have because sure maybe he didn't drag, bring in those, a lot of those guys, but he's coaching them to play at, yeah. a, at a high level and, and that's part of coach, you know, that's a big part of coaching, right? Work with the guys you got and make them better than they were
0: in the past. Well, and we see it. Uh and it goes the opposite way, too. The opposite way was Zimmer had uh hitman being one of the best safeties in the league. Yes. All those years, just maximizing what he does well and does this. We got in last year, new defensive coordinator, Ed. And Ed changed things up, and Hitman always, you know, statistically still had a decent year, five interceptions and such. He wasn't doing the things we are used to, the the, the blitzing and the causing no. havoc. And that was coaching. You had a great player, made worse because of coaching. You could also have it the opposite way of a player made better because of coaching, and that's what we want, and that's what we expect from Brian Flores And the staff he assembles. Yes. 100%. That brings us to our next quick hitter. I want to talk about the passing of Red
2: McCombs, Dave. Mm -hmm. Um, And a a guy that, uh, you know, it's unfortunate. Although he was ninety five, so he lived a long life and was very wealthy. <laughs> so uh, things Only could have three been worse.
0: Professional teams, you know, three
2: professional teams. But uh, you know, McCombs is the kind of guy I just wanted to mention, reflect on a bit because I think that um, Raymond we I, we have talked about that. Um, you know, the, the guys following him, but uh, don't want to
0: oversell something. It you want point. to watch in free agency?
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, But McCombs, he's a guy that I have mixed feelings about as as an owner in his time there. Um, You know, I was, when he bought the team in 98, uh, after the Tom Clancy debacle and all of that, it it was just a, we were just thankful that somebody bought the team. uh, And and it was
0: unfortunate for Clancy. Yeah. I very much like, I've read, I think all of Tom Clancy's books that he wrote. Now, there's ghost authors now, but that he wrote, he's a fantastic author. And I thought Tom Clancy would be an absolute fabulous owner of the Vikings. And it almost happened. Do you know what stopped it? It was a, he didn't have the money because of a divorce settlement, I believe, is what stopped it. Bingo! It's a life lesson to all men that uh, as much as we love them, they can mess things up for us. Yes. He uh, got a divorce settlement right before the deal was going down and she took half of his wealth and he no longer had the finances available to make it happen. But be that as it may,
2: with that whole Clancy debacle, I mean, it was there was a lot of uncertainty about how the Vikings, you know, the future of the Vikings in Minnesota. And so when McCombs stepped in there and bought the team, that solidified them staying there for a bit. And his first year as a, as a, as an owner, uh, things couldn't have gone much better. Right. Uh, <laughs> that was the ninety ninety eight fifteen 15 and one season. Uh, you know, we all know how it ended, but what, you know, that's been probably the funnest season I've had as a Vikings fan, um, you know, that I remember well, uh, there were some years in the seventies. I didn't really get to watch them that were <laughs> were pretty good too, but, but yeah. So, you know, things didn't went pretty well for McCombs. It couldn't ask for much better. he's got the team, they're still in Minnesota, yay, yay. But then as his inability to get a new stadium uh, uh, deal done to replace the Metrodome, uh, he started getting a little bit, you know, uh, he started that was soured him. Uh, And he also, then there was like rumors about, are the Vikings, he's going to move them to the San, are they going to be the San Antonio Vikings? Are they going to be the Los Angeles Vikings? Uh, and, And so and all that uncertainty about the Vikings and whether they're going to stay in Minnesota cropped up again. And then the perception was, and I don't think it was a perception. I think it was actually was true. Was that he went cheap at that point. Yeah, he went cheap. He wasn't investing the resources into the Vikings that, that you'd expect from an NFL franchise, while other franchises were, you know, there wasn't any investment in training facilities or anything like that. Yeah, he, he went cheap Winter on Martin coaching.
0: Down the tubes. Air conditioning wasn't working, ice machine wasn't working, you saw Mike Tice carrying in coolers worth of ice. He didn't care. He was he was taking all the money he could out of that because he knew he lost the battle. The whole interest of getting the stadium lost that. You had the great years under Denny Green, then it exploded, then he went cheap. The smallest coaching staff, you know, by far at the time when he hired Elevated Mike Tice from line coach to head coach. And it it was sort of a sad chapter. Winter Park went into disrepair. It was about the time Ted and I went up for a draft in 2007, was it? When we got uh, Williamson. That would have been
2: 2005 draft.
0: 2005. We went up for the draft party. And, you know, the boat was falling apart in front of Winter Park. Uh, there was weeds growing up on the hills. It's just, it was not a good environment. And I remember during the draft party, Red McCombs came out, you know, was doing his purple pie, purple pie, purple pie, and we all started booing. Uh, <laughs> it, he was not liked at that point in time. And it's a shame. And it, it's, you know, I do believe he loves sports. He always oh, yes. did, but But he, he also loved making money. And he didn't see the opportunity. Now uh, it was uh, Purple Hayes talked about. It was the chief buyback back then. I think when he purchased it, the the purchase price. I think if I remember correctly, and I'd moved to or PCS to Grand Forks in '97. This happened '98. I think the the price then was. I think he got it for like 200 million. I think right? it was 250
2: million actually. Okay, 250 somewhere around. But it, like it was that.
0: in that range. He turned around and sold it. When he did sell it. For six hundred million, so he made a profit. Yeah. He did. gutted it and sold it for
2: six hundred million. And that was, as I understand, that was kind of one of uh, Red's uh, M.O.s on mm-hmm. the sports end of things. Anyway, it was when he owned the Spurs and the Nuggets. He got, he bought them, and then he, he didn't own them very long, uh, and and got rid of them. Uh, you know, fairly quickly, but. Again, I just we wanted to mention that, and kind of for younger fans who don't remember the Red McCombs days, they started out pretty well, but got sour quickly <laughs> towards the tail end. And and people have complaints about the Wilfs, but when they bought when they bought the, the Vikings from Red McCombs, uh, some uncertainty about the Vikings future in Minnesota then. But the Wolves have been able to get the stadium deal done. They have, you know, gotten the new training facility, state of the art. Uh, they've improved the fan experience, from what I understand. at TCO Bank, part with the whole the whole Ring of Honor thing. Like in, at T C uh, at U S Bank Stadium, they've got just so much Vikings hi- stuff about their history and that sort of thing. Um, and uh, so they have they have invested in making the the Vikings uh, uh-huh. look it, and feel. It, it, like, it is
0: a premier. Spots yes. in the NFL, they have spent money, and they have spent money on players. You know, mm-hmm. any time that we want to, the front office, be it Spielman or Quayze, wants to renegotiate and pay bonuses and, uh, you know, to get cap compliant and stuff like that. They've written the checks. Yes. There's been no balking. There's here's the checkbook. Write it. You know, when somebody when they read rene- when they Say hey, we're going to take this much money and convert it into roster bonus. That's check time. Here, write a check. That comes out of them, and they've been willing to do that. They have not been. Oh no, I I don't have the money. Most NFL today is like that. There are only a few teams. I think the Raiders that are family owned where they have to run it. That's their living. A lot of them I think the Bengals
2: are, are as well.
0: Yeah, a lot of them are billionaires. Where it's hey, I love the sport. I do this because one, it's a money making machine being part of the NFL. But because I can, and I can make it the best I can. The wolves are part of that. Jeff Bezos is talking about buying the Commanders, right? It's it's now become where the majority of the owners are multi billionaires, and whereas Red McCombs back in the day was a hundred, you know, 200, 250 million to buy it. Wolf's bought it. They bought it for six hundred million. The Vikings are now supposedly worth four billion. <laughs> it's uh, it's not it's a bad business. return on investment when st- they decide to sell it. <laughs> yeah, but it's not stingy. They've invested tons of money, and not just the facilities, which is state of the art. There is no better in the NFL. Now you might argue Jerry World is you know bigger and fancier or whatever. But the U.S. Bank is absolutely gorgeous. And all the land development around it and all the stuff that goes with it, they've done a ton, and I'm thankful for that. And for the most part, they stay out of the football business. And that's appreciated. Sometimes I wish they'd stay out a little bit more, but, hey, that's the Mm -hmm. owner's prerogative. But this comes down to Red McComb's. He was an owner, he's part of the history, and he has passed on, and we hope he rests in peace.
2: Indeed. Jonathan uh, taking a shot at the Cousins in there, too, so we can expect him back next week when we talk about
0: quarterbacks, perhaps. Yeah, Jonathan, you want to join us for quarterback talk next week when we go over the final section of the offense, the quarterbacks. That should be a fun one. Anyways. That brings us to the end of the show, and I again want to thank everybody that joined us. You guys have been great in the comments. Absolutely appreciate it. Michael, I agree with you. I don't think we win the big one until we get that franchise quarterback, so let's get that franchise quarterback. I'm all for it. We've been looking a long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when does the Combine start? This week, right? Uh, that was
2: you mentioned that it was this week earlier. I haven't yeah, I actually this week. Like, I, I double checked on the the dates on that, and I thought I would have saw a bunch of articles uh, pimping it already, but but hadn't really noticed much.
0: February twenty sixth, tomorrow. Mm. Defensive line and linebackers report. Oh boy, underwear Olympics begin. Yes, let it begin. Monday they have their registration and pre-exams and orientation and interviews. Tuesday it goes on a general medication. medical exams, not medication. I'm sure that's mm-hmm. part of it. Uh, pre-ordered studies and team interviews. We don't get, They don't get onto the field until pff, Thursday. But mm-hmm. it all starts tomorrow. And it will last through Monday, March 6th.
2: And that's where I don't really – I don't watch the actual combine stuff. Like I find it really boring watching guys go around cones and that sort of thing. But, you know, if you like that sort of thing, great. I'll just read about it. Uh, But it is interesting because – uh, you, you're going to hear start hearing about oh this guy's rising and this guy's falling and and this guy you never heard of is now going to going to be picked in the first round and also uh, I you, you sometimes you get nuggets about players veteran players not the draftees but who's what free agents going where or who's going to be dropped because uh, all you'll those hear talks. about all those talks all the GMs uh, chewing the fat about potential who's going to go where where's Lamar Jackson going to go and all this stuff. So a uh, lots of, we expect lots and lots of news coming out of the combine. It's not just all going to be about the the guys who are at the combine, the draft eligible guys. It's about the guys who are in the NFL right now.
0: Mm-hmm. So we should have quite a few topics go along with our uh, state of the Vikings quarterback edition next mm-hmm. week. Yes. Looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Any last words there, buddy? Nothing at all. Just uh, yeah, it'll be next next week. will be combine and more combine. I want to thank everybody again for joining us. And what do we say? We say, and when when you're gonna uh, give us the kudos,
2: um, Mr. Worthless Opinion, your your opinion is not worthless. Uh, awesome. Thank you
0: for saying we did a great show. But we always say, Go Viking! Skull Vikings!